This is Medicine Matters, the Springer Medicine Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Episode 2 of Medicine Matters. I'm Dr. Jane Godsland, Clinical Director of Springer Medicine, and in this episode, we'll be focusing on an oncology topic, specifically the latest data on PARP inhibitors in prostate cancer. For the non-oncologists among you, PARPs or poly-ADP ribose polymerases are enzymes that play a really crucial role in various cellular processes, including transcription, replication, proliferation, and DNA repair. PARP inhibitors stop the PARP from facilitating the cancer cell repair and leading to cell death. They were initially identified as therapeutically useful in BRCA-associated cancers such as ovarian and breast cancer. But in 2020, the FDA approved the first two PARP inhibitors for the treatment of metastatic prostate cancer. As the second most common cancer diagnosed in men, there is considerable expectations around the revolutionary effects of this targeted treatment approach. To keep you up to date, my colleague Shri Ananda interviewed Dr. Elena Castro about the latest evidence on PARP inhibitors in prostate cancer from data presented at the 2023 ASCO Genitourinary Cancer Symposium. Hello, I'm Dr. Shreya Nanda, Senior Clinical Content Manager at Springer Medicine. I'm here today with Dr. Elena Castro, who is a GU Medical Oncologist at the 12th of October University Hospital in Madrid, Spain. Thank you so much for joining us, Elena. Thank you for inviting me. It's uh, my pleasure to be with you today. To start with, perhaps you could just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, I'm a medical oncologist currently in, in Madrid, but before that, um, and after completing my uh, medical oncology uh, training in Salamanca, I spent four years at the Royal Marsden and the uh, Institute of Cancer Research. From there, I moved to the Spanish National Cancer Research Center. I was there as a clinician scientist for almost seven years before moving to the um, Institute of Biomedical Research in Malaga, and from there uh, I moved uh, to my current institution in September 2022. Great, thank you. So ASCOGU is always a very exciting conference, I think. It's, it's one of my favorites. And again, it was very exciting this year, especially around the PARP inhibitors data that was presented. So could you briefly outline some of the key studies that caught your attention? Well, I think this year, very relevant, very important studies were presented at ASCOU, presented or updated, that help us fill in some gaps that we have uh, we, we have regarding PARP inhibitors in, in prostate cancer. We, um, we, we, we learn the um, data from the uh, Triton 3 study. Triton 3 is a phase three trial that investigated the um, benefit of uh, recovery for the treatment of patients with uh, BRCA1, BRCA2, or ATM alterations who have already progressed to one line of um, hormonal therapy with uh, androgen receptor pathway inhibitor. These patients could... um, could have received chemotherapy in the metastatic hormone-sensitive uh, scenario, but not for NCRPC. And the data was, I think, is is very is very relevant. We've learned that patients with BRCA alteration clearly benefit 
from rucaparib compared to other uh, physician choices, including um, a second hormonal agent, but also compared to docetaxel. And this study is very important because it is the first time that a PARP inhibitor has been directly compared with um, docetaxel. It was very clear that for patients with alterations in, in BRCA, the PARP inhibitor resulted in improved radiographic progression-free survival compared to, to chemotherapy. However, for patients with alterations in ATM, no benefit was uh, noted from the PARP inhibitor, rucaparib in this case, versus chemotherapy or a second hormonal agent. I think this is very relevant. Um, um, because uh, this study has provided the, a direct comparison with, um, with taxanes, it also allows us to compare toxicities. So what we've seen is that the toxicity of this agent is different. We already knew that. But um, we have seen uh, a similar um, uh, prevalence of fatigue with both therapies, but then the um, uh, anemia is significantly more frequent with PARP inhibitors. This was to be expected. This is associated with this uh, type of, of, of drugs. But one in four patients treated with uh, rucapari required a blood transfusion at some point during the, during the, the treatment. So some really good data there from the Triton 3 study. Um, and a, a quite clear message, I would say, for the use of PARP inhibitors in those with ATM mutations. Um, but what can you tell us about the use of these PARP inhibitors in combination with other agents? We have now data from three trials that are investigating these combinations for the first-line treatment of patients with metastatic castration-resistant uh, prostate cancer. In this uh, meeting, um, the data from the Talapro 2 study was presented for the first time. And we also have updates on the magnitude and the Propel studies. So these three studies are uh, combining different PARP inhibitors, niraparib in magnitude, oaparib in Propel, and uh, talasoparib in Talapro with different um, hormonal agents. Aviraterone is used in magnitude and uh, propel, whilst the Talapro 2 um, um, has used enzalutamide. And it is possible that because these, these agents are different, the synergies between the RPs and PARPs are different, and the efficacy of this combination may also be different. Of course, we don't have direct comparison between these three studies. So... The Talapro 2 study um, has demonstrated that the combination of enzalutamide plus talasoparib for um, the treatment of patients with, um, who have not received um, previous treatment for MCRPC resulted in improved uh, RPFS. The benefit was noted for all patients in the in this study but was even more evident for patients with alterations in the uh, homologous uh, recombination genes uh, i think um something that was um, quite uh, relevant to me was that the um the investigators um 
repeated the analysis, excluding those patients in which the HRR status could not be established because these samples fail um, uh, sequencing. And when focusing in the patients in which they could clearly not identify any genomic alteration in HRR genes, still they, they, they saw uh, a benefit from combining talasoparib and ensalutamide versus ensalutamide. Of course, we need to learn more about the characteristics of the patients that we call HRR negative, the patients that don't have genomic alterations in these HRR genes. But I think this is um, a very remarkable, uh, remarkable finding. And in this study, the hematological toxicity in the combination arm was uh, very significant. About 40% of patients treated with thalassoparib uh, presented with a grade 3 or 4 uh, anemia. And of course, many of them required a blood transfusion. This was a side effect that could uh, easily be reverted. And then it's, it's about 8% of patients in the combination arm that finally discontinued treatment due to anemia. But still, I think it's a very significant toxicity and we need to be um, vigilant and monitor patients uh, carefully. That's a really interesting finding, I think, um, in the HRR negative population. I think it would be really interesting to see whether that is repeated or observed in other trials as well. And any other highlights to share? In this ASCOGU, we have seen uh, updates on the magnitude trial. The magnitude study is investigating the combination of aburaterone and niraparib for patients with alterations in HRR genes because uh, in a futility analysis that um, uh, try to establish the benefit of this combination in patients without HRR alterations. No benefit was noted, and then um, this part of this study uh, was closed. So magnitude is focused only in patients with HRR alterations. We, um, we, we have learned that with uh, additional eight months follow-up, the benefit in RPFS for patients with BRCA alterations and alterations in other HRR genes is maintained, very similar to the data that was presented at ASCO-GU last year. And, uh, well, some uh, early data on overall survival was also presented. The data is still immature. But when the uh, analysis took into consideration some imbalances, in the baseline characteristics of these patients and also took into consideration that some patients in the control arm receive PARP inhibitors outside the trial after progression to aburaterone, there is a positive trend to, towards uh, a benefit in overall survival for patients with BRCA alteration. So um, we still need to wait for more mature data, but. Um, this is um, this this goes in the in the in the right direction as well, and the magnitude study presented also a very uh, a small exploratory analysis, but also quite uh, relevant. 
analyzed because magnitude allowed patients to start treatment with uh, abiraterone while the molecular analysis was being performed. So patients could be on abiraterone for up to four months before uh, being randomized in, in the trial. And what the investigators have reported is that for those patients who were on abiraterone for uh, less than two months, the benefit of the combination was maintained. But for those patients who were on abiraterone before starting the combination for more than two months, then the benefit seems to be uh, lower, seems to be less. So, um, of course, the number of patients in this analysis um, is, is limited, but it, it also provides, um, I think, um, some relevant data for future analysis. So I guess the closing um, down of the magnitude HRR negative arm speaks to my question earlier about whether the findings from TELAP Pro 2 would be um, repeated. And I guess it just means that this is an aspect um, that needs to be researched further, teased out further. I guess we just don't know enough. But let's move on to the last study that was presented at ASCOGU. What can you tell us about the data from Propel? Previously, we have seen that the combination of abiraterone and olaparib resulted in improved RPFS for all patients, but especially for patients with alterations in BRCA and uh, also for patients in, with alterations in other HRR genes. What we have seen in, at this, uh, this year at ASCO-GU is that the combination of olaparib and abiraterone resulted in an improved uh, overall survival in, in, in all commerce, seven months uh, prolonged overall survival. However, the, uh, this difference was not statistically uh, significant for all commerce. If we look at the different uh, subgroups, then the patients with BRCA alteration got an, an a spectacular benefit from the addition of olaparib with a hassle ratio of 0.29. I think this is a spectacular. We are not used to see these differences in phase three trials in prostate cancer. The benefit for patients without BRCA alterations is debatable. If we focus now in patients with alterations in other HRR genes beyond uh, BRCA, the benefit was less than for BRCA patients, but it still was a positive uh, improvement in overall survival. But for patients without HRR alterations, we are in the same situation as before. There's not a clear benefit in overall survival for these patients. And with all this data I just commented on, I think we have now a big uh, controversy on whether we should be using these PARP inhibitors alone or in combination for patients with BRCA or HRR alterations, and whether the combination of these agents could be beneficial for all MCRPC patients, regardless of their um, mutational status.
Thank you so much for that excellent summary. Um, there were a few studies that I actually missed. So the smaller analysis, the sub-analysis of magnitude, I will look, go and look that up. So, so many interesting developments. What impact do you see these having on clinical practice? So we've, we've learned from these studies is um, that for patients with ATM alterations, the PARP inhibitors may result in very limited benefit. And perhaps we can spare these patients from the toxicity associated with these uh, type of drugs. For patients with BRCA alterations, we've learned from Triton, that the Triton 3 trial, that after progression to an androgen receptor pathway inhibitor, we shouldn't wait and uh, to use a PARP inhibitor. The benefit from these drugs is much greater than it is from, from chemotherapy, from, from docetaxel. So we should try to use these uh, PARP inhibitors as soon as possible. And from the trials investigating PARP inhibitors in combination with androgen receptor pathway um, inhibitors, we've learned that the combination of these agents results even in improved overall survival for patients with BRCA alterations. So we should screen our patients as soon as possible and try to use the PARP inhibitor in combination because this is the data we have at present uh, as first line of therapy for patients with BRCA alterations. For patients with, and, and perhaps also for patients with other HRL alterations, for patients with, without these um, molecular events, well, I think the benefit is less clear and still these patients um, will have to endure the toxicity associated to PARP inhibitors. This is a discussion we will have to have with our patients one by one, considering their options, their preferences, explaining them that we don't really know which could be the benefit, but it seems to be a benefit in some patients that we still need to characterize better and also monitor the toxicities very carefully. Thank you so much. That's some really good takeaways for physicians there. I'm just wondering now, so what else needs to be addressed? What are the research questions that remain un unaddressed or have arisen from the data we have seen? Yes, well, I think it is clear that for patients in which we do not identify genomic alterations in HNR genes, there's still some patients who really benefit from the combination. So who are those patients? Do they have any type of impairment in the homologous recombination pathway that we are not detecting, but by looking only at um, genomic events? It could be that they have, um, uh, I don't know, expression, uh, other, other, other type of, of alterations that um, sensitize them to, to PARP inhibitors. We need to uh, characterize this population better. And also, these three trials, Magnitude, Propel, and uh, Talapro2, did not include only a very limited number of patients who had already progressed to a, a 
hormonal agents in the uh, earlier stages, in the non-metastatic uh, castration resistant stage or the, mm, the hormone sensitive uh, metastatic state. So we don't really know whether after progression to these agents, the addition of a PARP inhibitor could result in improved efficacy or could help to overcome uh, cross resistance with uh, between this type of agent. So we need also um, more data on on that. Um, one last thing. So do you think there is scope for sequencing these different PARP inhibitors? Well, we don't know. In theory, in theory, the mechanisms of resistance to them is uh, is similar. So I will assume that once, if the with, with the current PARP inhibitors, probably once the patient has become resistant to one of them, it's very likely to be resistant to another. But we don't really have much data about that, and we don't really have much data either for the use of uh, carboplatin based chemotherapy or platinum-based chemotherapy after progression to uh, a PARP inhibitor. There are some small small uh, series with very limited number of cases that have reported some responses, but um, we need we need more evidence. And this is a very important question because if we start identifying our, who are patients with BRCA alterations? How are we are we going to treat them once they become resistant to uh, the first PARP inhibitor? So I think or I believe that in some time we will have more answer to to your question that will become more and more relevant. So yeah, I will just wind that up by saying that was an excellent summary of the data presented at ASCO-GU around PARP inhibitors in prostate cancer. Uh, you provided an excellent discussion and thank you so much for that. It's going to be great for our listeners, I'm sure. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. No, no, pleasure. Huge thank you to both Elena and Shreya for a really valuable update on where we are with these promising treatments in prostate cancer. If you found this conversation useful for your practice, please do like and subscribe to the podcast and visit us at springermedicine.com where you can register for our update newsletters tailored to your practice. This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals for their ongoing medical education and entertainment. It should not replace the professional advice of a doctor or pharmacist and may not be used as a basis for diagnosis or any change to the prescribed treatment of disease. The views expressed by our moderators and guests are their opinions and do not represent the position of any third parties. The information given in the podcast is subject to change as the scientific field and clinical advances progress.